Thank you so very much. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open those up to Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter 4. And uh, verse number 26 is where we'll be. Maybe on the screen there. And uh, Mark chapter 4, verse number 26. Thank you so very much for the opportunity to be here. I uh, want to thank Pastor Josh for the opportunity to be here this morning to stand before you and um, open the Word of God and read the Word of God together. Mark chapter number 4. Verse number 26. Love to hear the Bible pages flip. Amen. Bible says, And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts, soil, uh, casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to open your word. Father God, I pray that you help us, Lord God, as we seek to understand your word. And I pray that you would inspire us, convict us, and encourage us in every way by empowered work of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Be seated. Thank you. Well, again, I definitely want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here today and want to thank Pastor Josh, what a great pastor and leader he is, and uh, appreciate him and his family and their service to the Lord to serve you. And uh, standing in this position now, serving with the Kentucky Baptist Convention on the evangelism team, it always gives me a great privilege and joy to uh, really encourage the pastor as he serves in the local church. I served uh, as a pastor for 13 and a half years of my life. I just transitioned out of a pastorate uh, at a Beulah Baptist Church in far west Kentucky. I served there for 10 years uh, before I transitioned into this role. And so I always like to stand here and just say, never underestimate the power of encouragement that you can give to Brother Josh. If the Lord God nudges you to encourage him, don't think that's something to be taken lightly. Encourage him. And uh, send him a text message, call him or pay him on the back or something. Find out his favorite restaurant, buy him a gift card or uh, save him a $20 bill or something. You know, he didn't tell me to say any of that, didn't pay me to say any of that. But uh, I'm just telling you, take care of your pastor and uh, love on your pastor as I know you are. and know you do. Uh, but I just want to exhort you uh, in the work of ministry here as you serve and labor. Thank you, brother, for leading us in the song this morning. Thank you for the special uh, this morning. Can we just give them a hand for their faithful, faithfulness to the Lord? Uh, appreciate them so very much. And uh, it is a great joy to be here with you. Uh, before I get in the message, I just kind of want to warm the place up a little bit because anytime you got a guy standing here in front of you, you're thinking, who's this guy? Where's he from? And what in the world is he doing here? And uh, give a little bit of background. I do serve at Kentucky Baptist Convention on the evangelism team. I'm church evangelism and strategist in the state. There's two of us. Uh, I will be serving on uh, what will be considered, I guess, maybe the right side of the state, the uh, east side. And then uh, Kenny Rager. Does anybody know Kenny Rager? All right, Brother Kenny Rager. He serves on uh, he serves on the left side, I guess you'd say, on the west side of Kentucky, and uh, him and I serve in that role, and we're just really uh, serving you uh, to encourage and equip and uh, exhort uh, you in any way we can in evangelism. As we seek to reach pe people 
for Christ. Along those lines, I want to say thank you for your participation uh, in the Gospel Ever Home. I know this church is big time in that. And thank you for being a leader. I certainly want to give kudos to Pastor Josh and his leadership as he leads you to reach homes with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, thank you for your cooperative program giving and your support and partnership as we uh, certainly believe and convictional that we can do more together than any of us could do separate. And uh, that's just the reality of who we are as Kentucky Baptists as we seek together to reach Kentucky and the world for Christ. Uh, I have a family, my wife, uh, and I got four boys. We live in Richmond right now, uh, currently living in Richmond. And so my wife and I have been married for 18 years. Just had an anniversary July the 26th, so just a few days ago. And uh, I got four boys. Uh, the oldest is 15 years old, and the youngest is 19 months old. So uh, I got them uh, kind of all over the place. I don't think I'll ever get to retire. And uh, I kind of joke and kid around with everybody that I'll be the guy that walks in, Lord willing, uh, Joe Boone, he's my baby. Uh, I'll be the guy that walks into his high school graduation. And everybody's going to say, look, there's, there's his grandpa. And I'm going to say, no, I'm his dad. That's just kind of how that's going to work out. But uh, praise the Lord. We're thankful for our boys. I love my family so very much. Uh, they'd definitely be here with me, but you can probably understand the dynamic that that involves to to uh, get uh, four boys and uh, get the family out and, and come, really to go anywhere, to be honest with you. You can just walk down the street and it's a tough deal. And if you've got kids or grandkids, you know what that's all about. So uh, they'd be here with me if they could, but uh, love them and, and definitely appreciate them so very much. I tell you what, when you think about along those lines, you think about motivation, motivation sometimes can be can be hard to come by. You know, when I, if I ask you the question this morning, what motivates you? You might respond and say, well, what are you talking about? What kind of motivation? Where are we, where are we thinking of? Well, if I just boil down to this and say, what, what motivated you to come to church this morning? Well, some of you would respond, well, I'll tell you what, mom and dad, they made me come to church this morning. That's what motivated me. And I say, that's pretty good motivation, right? To, uh, you know, uh, get, get kicked out of the door. You, you, some of you got a drug problem. You drugged a church uh, all your life. And uh, that's just who you are, right? Uh, some of you would say, man, I, I come to church. What motivated me? I wanted to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, it's a, it's a good, warm thing to come to church. We get beat up all week, don't we? And it's good to come to church and see smiling faces. Amen. It's, it's our smile, isn't it? I mean, it's good to have a good time in God's house. We, we can't have a good time anywhere else, so let's have a good time in God's house. Some of you would say, I'll tell you what motivated me, because Jesus died on a cross and, and bled from, died for my sins. I, that motivates me to come to church, and I'd say that, that'd be the primary reason to come to church, isn't it? To worship Jesus Christ. You know, there's all kinds of different motivations we have in life, and there really are. They come in various ways. I think, for example, there's a little difference between, you know, getting up tomorrow morning and going to a, a root canal and going fishing. Somebody say amen. All right, there you go. It's a little difference. I mean, you're not going to be very motivated to get out for a root canal, but now some of you men to go fishing, that's a it's a big deal. You'd be pretty motivated. you get up probably extra early to have that cup of coffee if you go fishing. But if you know you're facing a root canal, who in the world wants to be a part of that? See, there's a big difference when we think about different motivations uh, in our life. There's a fable that was going around. It talks about success. Uh, it kind of identifies success in life. And the old fable was about a dog uh, as he boasted about how he had the ability to be a great runner. Well, the story goes, one day this dog chased a rabbit, and the dog failed to catch the rabbit. And the other dogs come up, and they ridiculed this one dog. They made fun of him, and they said, you didn't catch that rabbit. And, you know, this is a dog that boasted about running. 
And this is how the dog responded. And of course, this is a fable, by the way, so I hadn't lost my mind this morning. He said, uh, the dog said, you must remember that the rabbit I was chasing was running for his life. I was only running for my dinner. There's a difference, isn't it? The rabbit was motivated because he was running for his life. The dog didn't have nearly as much motivation because he was only running for his dinner. We think about evangelism. We think about gospel at every home. Where's our motivation in that? You see, some of us, if we were just really just kind of honest with ourselves this morning, we think about evangelism. That might, some of us might think about a root canal. We think about evangelism. Evangelism is one of those things that it, you, it takes a lot of discipline. But you know, if we're motivated by love for God, we'll be motivated to tell other people about Jesus Christ. You see, as Christian people, if we've been born again by the blood of the Lamb, if we've been saved from hell and saved for eternity to be with Jesus forever, why in the world would we not want to tell the good news of Jesus to others? Why would we want to sit in this beautiful church and just soak all the messages up and, and just sit here and not do anything with what we have been given? Oh, friend, we think about all the motivations that we have to get out into the field to spread the good news of the gospel. We can think of many. We look at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29 that we read this morning together. We see that there are several evangelistic motivations as we labor in God's field. There are several evangelistic motivations as we labor in God's field to reach people for Christ. To be a people of the, on, on commission, of the great commission to reach our community, our state, and the world for Christ. You see, this is what we learn from this uh, 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 parable that we read from Jesus Christ in the scriptures. We learn that growth in God's field is a certainty. Growth in God's field is a certainty. Therefore, we can have the eternal motivation to commit to the evangelistic work that leads to a sure harvest. When I read these verses, 26 through 29, I see at least three motivations to our evangelistic commitment. There are three, at least three motivations that you and I, I think, can gather this morning, can learn about and take outside of these walls and apply to our life as we seek to make a difference for the glory of God. To please the heart of God as you and I live on mission, as we go to school, as we go to work, as we go to drink coffee, maybe we're going with a friend, and certainly as we go, God, take the gospel to every home, as you intentionally target and reach out to this community, as you seek to make a difference for the glory of God, there are at least three motivations that lead to a greater and stronger evangelistic commitment. The first one I want us to see this morning is this. The first motivation to our evangelistic commitment is this. The seed that we sow is good. The seed that we sow is good. You see, there's a question that you and I must deal with on the front end of this sermon. If the seed is good, if the seed is good, and we know of its great potential to change people's lives, why don't we put it in the ground? If the seed is good, 
And we know of the great potential that it has in our life and in other people's lives. And we've seen it have great bring great change to people in their life. Why don't we put it in the ground? Now you see, Jesus is using a parable. Much of Mark 4 is a parable. And this parable, of course, is where you lay two things beside uh, each other. Of course, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And we learn about this in verse number 26. When you look at your Bible, and he says, the kingdom of God is as if. Now, Jesus is, 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 is continuing to de develop what he's laid down in the first part of Mark chapter 4. In the first part of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is bringing in a parable. He's bringing in this story of the soil and the seed, isn't he? And so what does Jesus say about that? Well, I'm going to summarize it. I'm not going to read all the verses. But essentially, what Jesus does is he brings in the disciples, much like you'd be sitting here. And he begins to illustrate by using things that they see. You see, it's beautiful uh, as you drive out in the country. Amen? I mean, I'm a country boy. That's, that's, I'm from, originally from around Paducah, Kentucky. That's far west Kentucky. That's where Beulah Baptist Church was. You don't know where Beulah Baptist Church is because you've got to be going there to get there. I was out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm all about the, uh, the least likely visited places on earth. That's where I live. Fancy Farm uh, is, is the address of Beulah Baptist Church. So see, you probably don't know where Fancy Farm is. A lot of you are laughing inside. I, 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 know what it's all, I know what it's like to be in the middle of nowhere. I love the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful out there. So I get when I'm driving down and seeing the cornfields and the beans, right? So you and I see these things. And we, 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 we think about, uh, you know, the process that a farmer goes through to, to, to bring about a harvest. So Jesus is, is using the fields. And so as he's teaching, he's using real-life props. So he says in the first part of Mark chapter 4, he said there are four kinds of soils. And then there's the seed. So a man or a farmer would take a seed. And so the first one is going to be, uh, the soil is going to be where the seed falls kind of by the wayside. As the farmer's going and the seed never takes root. Okay. He, there's, an, there's, an, there's another soil. The soil is a rocky ground. The seed falls on rocky ground. It just has no depth to it, so it doesn't ever take root, doesn't bring a harvest, doesn't bring fruit. The third type of soil or place is going to be thorny, the thorny places. The seed falls in a thorny place, and, and even though there's growth, the, the, there never is a full crop because it gets choked out. But then there's the fourth soil. And Jesus, that's a good soil. Because, see, that's where the man or the farmer would take the seed and he'd throw it out and it would fall on soil and that soil would absorb it and then that soil would bring about a fruit and it would, be, it would yield a great harvest. It would yield 30-fold, 60-fold, even a 100-fold crop. The disciples sat back and they said, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Of course, that's my paraphrase, right? But essentially, they're saying, Jesus, what are you getting at? And he says, well, here's what I'm getting at, guys. Here's what I'm getting at. And you, you can go back. I'm summarizing. But you can go back in the scriptures and read it. So he, Jesus clarifies the eternal truth in verses 13 on down to verse number 20. So he tells the disciples, he says, lean in. And that's what I want you to do this morning. Please. I want you to lean in. And I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. 
He says, because here's the reality. The seed that I'm talking about, that the farmer throws out in the field, he says in verse number 14, he said, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And so the Word of God is spread out and the soils would represent the different people or the different hearts that encounters the seed. The seed that falls by the wayside, Satan ultimately comes and plucks the seed away and that person never gets saved because Satan plucks them away. Well, then there's the thorny ground. I mean, I'm sorry, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the, the, the rocky soil. There's never a place for it to take root, so it doesn't ever develop. And then there's the thorny places, right? And the thorny places is where the, the cares and the material things of this world choke out the Word of God, and that person never produces fruit in their life. But then Jesus says the fourth soil, remember that soil I was talking about? It's where you throw it out, and it brings 30, 60, 100-fold fruit or a crop. He said, that's the person. That when they hear the word of God, they receive the word of God, and it brings about a fruitful life. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Everybody's different, but they bear fruit. Wow. And now Jesus goes to verse 26 that we read this morning. And he said, the kingdom of God is like this. It's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So the disciples, they already get it, right? I mean, they're already understanding the context because Jesus has told the story. He's clarified the story with eternal truth, saying the seed is the word of God. And now he's developing more about what the kingdom of God is like and what we see, generally speaking, is we see Jesus essentially saying the kingdom of God is at work. God is working in the fields of, of the places that the seed has been planted. And he uses the farmer to illustrate this great reality. And it's where you and I land at these motivations to labor in the field. Because some of us may wonder, oh, let me just ask you, I got, we got some senior saints in here, amen? Let me just ask you the question. Have you ever wondered, am I really making a difference or not? Matter of fact, some of you have given up because you have declared, I'm making no difference, therefore, I'm just not going to do anything at all. Some of you have grown weary in well-doing. And you've slowly but surely just backed away because you have declared, I'm not seeing anything. I've prayed, preacher. I've read my Bible. I've preached to my kids. I've preached to my grandkids. I've preached to my neighbors. I'm just not seeing any fruit to which Jesus in this parable says, do not give up because God is at work. Church, I'm here to encourage you this morning that the work you're doing is worth the effort. Keep up the good work because God is at work. To get real personal this morning because we can get kind of abstract here to the degree that we just kind of lose sight of everything. And the, what I like to do, I, like I said, I pastored Beulah Baptist Church. My last day was May the 30th, so I, I'm a pastor at heart just by and large. 
And what I've discovered is people in the pews, it gets real personal when I start asking the question, what about a son or daughter in this place? Is your son or daughter walking with God like they ought to walk with God? Or are you burdened about them to the point of tears? What I discovered in ministry is that whenever we talk about sharing the gospel, it gets real personal when we start talking about those under our roof. And the reason it gets personal is because we're motivated by love. And then when we connect the dots to the larger population, it's a little easier because now we understand this bigger truth. And the bigger truth is this. There's a great commandment. And what is that? Love God as yourself. Love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. So we don't need to go big and then try to get small. Let's go small, personally speaking, and understand where love begins. And when we understand what motivates us to love others, then you and I now understand those around this church that we visit. You say, well, I don't know those people. I don't know who they are. Well, guess what? They're somebody's son and they're somebody's daughter. They're somebody's mom and they're somebody's dad. Somebody that you visit, you may not know them, but somebody knows them and somebody loves them. And somebody is probably praying for them if they're far from God to be connected to God. And you know that God could use you to bring about that connection. And the reason we know that is because you and I are motivated by love when we think about those under our own home. And see, I get it standing here before you. We can get lost in the numbers sometimes. There's 30,000 people that live around us. Or there's 7,000 homes. But then I think about the four boys in my home. Elijah, Levi, Silas, and Joel Boone. My Elijah's saved. But Levi, Silas, and Joel Boone aren't saved yet. And I'm praying for them and I'm witnessing to them. And you know what? I'll be, real, I'll be real honest with you this morning. I don't care where they get saved. I just want them to get saved. Church, listen to me. They're not with me this morning, but if I get a text or a phone call after this service and, they, and, and my wife tells me, Levi got saved this morning, you know what? I'm going to rejoice. Now, did I want to be there with them? Yes. But if God uses whoever he chooses to use to lead my Levi to Christ, praise the Lord. That's what I've been praying for. And God chose to use that person to lead my Levi to Christ. And God could use you to lead somebody's son, daughter, mother, father, aunt, or uncle to the Lord. Why would we want to miss an opportunity like that? You see, when we think about motivation, it gets, it gets deep when, it, when we bring it per, to a personal level. The first motivation we see is, is that the seed is good. The seed we sow is good. Notice what Jesus says here about this seed, because it's the gospel seed. He says, first of all, he says uh, that, that there's a man that will scatter the seed. Now, the man is not identified here as James or Peter or John. The Bible doesn't tell us any name at all because the reality is that's too, that is general as it ought to be. Because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about one man, it's about the man, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says there's a man, but then he says there's a method when we start talking about the seed. And the method is what? The method is scatter the seed. He's going to scatter the seed. It's a certain action that is under, undergone here. 
You see, the seed is no good just kept in the bag. The seed must be scattered. You know, there's a simple logic at play here. The more we scatter, the more we gather. So when you think about going out into this community, let's take Gospel River Home, for example, that you're under, that you're currently uh, in the initiative right now. And again, I thank the Lord for that. And thank you for participating in that. When we think about that, here's the deal. The more boots on the ground, the better. The more seeds we scatter, the better. The more we, the more we take the word of God and share the word of God, the better. The more impact and difference we make. The gospel conversation that you'll have this week or have the opportunity to have this week. Would you begin to pray right now for the, uh, the conversations you have this week? Let's start small. Let's just say, God, one conversation this week, I pray you would help me to turn it into a gospel conversation. And what I mean by gospel conversation, it would be a conversation where you're taking the seed and you're scattering it out. The seed is good. The seed that we sow is good. It's an everlasting message. It's a message that brings great encouragement. It's a message that accomplishes all that God intends for it to accomplish. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He will liberally cast the seed. So Tunnel Hill, guess what the commission is for you and I? It's to go. It's to go all in. It's to go all in with the gospel. It's to begin to think about our neighbors and our neighborhoods. It's, it's, it's for us to think about our family members. It's for us to understand that while we may not be good, the seed is always good. Matter of fact, Peter says it like this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Peter himself said, this is the incorruptible seed. You see, the gospel will accomplish everything it is intended to accomplish. Isaiah, you've heard this many times. You've quoted this many times. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. What Isaiah the prophet is saying is when you speak the word of God, it will accomplish all that, it, all that God intends for it to accomplish. Listen, the first motivation to go out Tunnel Hill is this. The seed is good. This morning... What we need to do with our excuses, what we need to do with our faults and our failures is we need to put those aside. And we, may, we just need to say, I'm not enough, but the gospel is enough. You may say, Ian, I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough strength. There's no way I can commit to gospel ever home. Listen, this is not about you. This is about the gospel. You may say, I just don't know what to say. You may say, I'm fearful. All those things are definitely understandable. We all have a certain amount of fear. We all struggle with various things in our life. But it's, again, it's not about that. It's about the gospel. The Apostle Paul struggled with fear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and following, the Apostle Paul said, I didn't come to you with eloquent speech. I didn't come to you knowing everything. He said, Paul said this, I actually came in fear and trembling. I didn't really know what I was going to say. But guess what? The Spirit of God give me every word I need to say. And why is that? Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. And the gospel is good. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It gets back to that question I asked earlier. If we know that the gospel is good unto salvation, why don't we share it? 
And the reality is, if you know enough of the gospel to be saved, you know enough of the gospel to tell somebody else how they can get saved. That's the bottom line. So what is in your way this morning, and what do you need to lay on the altar and say, Dear God, I repent of this excuse, fault or failure, because you're enough. The seed we sow is good. Time's always slipping away. Preachers always say that, right? Time always flies up here. Congregations always saying, boy, sure going slow out here. But the second motivation to our evangelistic commitment is this. This will encourage you, I hope. God is at work even when you can't see it. God is at work even when you can't see it. Look at your Bible in verse number 27. Again, just hang with me just a few more minutes. We're going to get out of here. But just listen, you, some of you need this encouragement. I need this encouragement. God is at work even when you can't see it. Look at what Jesus says here, verse 27. And this man, this farmer here, as he identifies in verse 26, he should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. The Greek word there is where we get our English word automatically, by itself. In the Greek text, that word is going to actually be the first place in that sentence there or in that verse. If we were going to identify by verse by verse here uh, in the scriptures as we are. That word in the Greek text is there at the beginning in verse number uh, 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 20, uh, 28 there. By itself, the earth yields crops, which is, puts great emphasis on automatically. There's no external aid to what the Word of God does. You and I simply scatter it. You and I simply speak the Word of God. We share the Word of God. We go door to door knocking. We, we're just responsible for obedience. We're not responsible for results. He goes on to say in verse 28, First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. You know what Jesus is saying here? There's a farmer that goes to bed... And some of you may be farmers. I'm convinced that there's no greater prayer warriors in the church than a farmer. You know why? Well, because one, I've been a pastor before. And number two, we've taken prayer requests. And there are certain seasons of every year that on a prayer request, you know what's going to be on that prayer request? Pray for rain. Why are we praying for rain? Well, because farmers need the rain so their crop can produce the harvest that they want. <laughs> When there's a lot of rain, we're praying, we need to pray for a stop. No more flooding. <laughs> Why are we praying? Why in the world would we as a church pray for stuff like that? Because we understand that our sustenance comes from the Lord. And here Jesus is, say, is saying, there's a farmer that goes to bed at night and rises in during the day. He goes to bed, he rises. He goes to bed and arises. You see the, the trend here. The farmer doesn't get the harvest four hours after he puts a seed in the ground. Now some of you are saying, duh. But that's what Jesus is really bringing back to the disciples. Evangelism takes hard work and it takes time. Remember what I said, the seed is good. And God is always at work. You may not see it. You may go to bed tonight. You may wake up tomorrow. You may go to bed and wake up. But God is working. 
You may use the excuse, God's just not doing anything. I referenced that earlier. I guarantee you he is doing stuff in this community because you shared the gospel. At Beulah Baptist Church, we're one of my last services there. It was a Wednesday night. We had a, a couple young teenagers reach out and wanted to go on visitation. We knocked on a lot of doors, a lot of doors. We had a lot of go- good conversations. We didn't see a lot of people get saved. We had a lot of good conversations. Garrett and Keaton with these teenagers' names. We went out. Before we went out, I said, let's pray, guys. We're going to pray before we go knock on doors. So we get in the car. We drive down the road. We go to Fulgham, Kentucky. Again, I'm bringing all kinds of these names out to you. So I'm, I am from the middle of nowhere. We go to Fulgham, Kentucky. We get out of the car. The first door we knock on, lady comes to the door. We back off. We, we Of course, we introduce ourselves like you all are accustomed to doing with the Gospel River Home. Same deal. That's what we had. Gospel River Home stuff. Just introduced ourselves, and I want you to know something. Long story short, this lady got saved on her front porch, gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. It's a glorious thing. I told the teenage boys, I said, listen, guys, this is not like the way it is all the time. <laughs> I share that story for this reason. We knocked on a lot of doors, and it had been very easy for myself to even give up, to say, this is, what, what are we doing this for? But can I tell you, the next person you talk to might be that one that gets saved. You're not in the business of making that call. We're just in the business of being obedient to what God has called us to be, and that is share the gospel. That's all we can do. And God is going to stir in people's hearts. He's going to work in people's hearts. Tunnel Hill, listen, the work you've done, God is working. Because Jesus says that guy goes to bed, he wakes up, and all of a sudden he looks and there's a harvest. So we can be encouraged. The seed we plant is good. God is at work even when we can't see it. John Piper said it like this. I think it's one of the best quotes I've heard. It blows my mind. He said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, but you're aware of three of them. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you're aware of three of them. And I think, praise God for his bigness. God is at work. Church, now's the time to step up. Now's the time to embrace the call to go out to every home. Now's the call to take responsibility for the relationships that we have every day of our life to share the gospel when God opens the door and trust God with the results because God automatically in his good plan and his good will brings about the results in his good timing. Which by the way is another good reminder for parents like myself, grandparents like yourself, the kids that we're praying for to be saved and the people we're praying for under our roof, let's not give up. Let's not Let's not stop praying. Let's keep praying. Let's keep seeking God for our family and our friends. And then lastly, and we're done. The third motivation to our evangelist commitment is this. There's a harvest that is sure. There's a harvest that is sure. Look at what Jesus says in verse 29. Verse 29, Jesus says, But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. God is at work and his seed will bring about a harvest. I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 7 verse number 9. You've heard this before. John the Revelator, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
saying these things. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders of the, and, the, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. And this is what they said. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom. Thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The reason I read that last verse to you today is for this reason. Because we have the surety... That when we share the gospel, when we pursue people for Christ, somebody's going to get saved somewhere. And John the Revelator says, as he's looking at a vision in heaven, he says, there's, a, there's people from everywhere, every tongue and tribe and nation and people. They're standing everywhere. Can you see them, Tunnel Hill, this morning? They're standing there. And who are they worshiping? Are they worshiping Tunnel Hill? No. Are they worshiping me? No. Are they worshiping you? No. They're worshiping the Lamb who gave His life for their sins. And they're worshiping because they heard the gospel that was powerful to save them. And the gospel that they heard was because somebody was faithful to declare that gospel to them. And because that person was faithful to declare the gospel to them, they heard the gospel, they accepted the gospel, and they were saved. And now they're worshiping the Lamb who was slain forever and ever, which we contribute and attribute all glory, power, and honor forever and ever. Amen. That's the gospel that we're dealing with this morning. It's the gospel that is powerful to save. And it's the gospel that Jesus says, go into all the nations. As we go to the nations, guess what? We pass through our neighborhood, this neighborhood, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the innermost parts of the earth. The task before us may seem big, but we got a God that's bigger. We see that God is working in his field. And you and I, from this parable, have one responsibility. It's to scatter the seed. That's it. And then God's going to do the rest. He's going to work and he's going to stir. Don't give up. Keep going for God. This morning, maybe you're here in this place. And you say, Ian, I don't know that I'm going to be in that number that you just said in Revelation standing before the, the throne because I'm not saved. Maybe this morning the gospel of Jesus Christ has worked its way in the crevice of your heart. And you can't answer the question, where will I go when I die? If you can't answer that question, this is a time of response, as we call it, invitation, that you can respond and be saved this morning. It's real simple. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe by faith alone, grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And put, as we, use on the, as we say on the mission field, put both feet on the Jesus path and follow him. Receive him in your heart and life and be changed forever. This morning, I'm talking to a lot of Christians here. Maybe this morning, some of you are in different places. Some of you said, Ian, I just need to step up and go to gospel to every home. I haven't committed 
my feet yet, but I'm going to commit my feet. I'm going to commit my time. I'm, I'm going I'm to sow the seed because the seed is good. Even if you never see the results in this life, I'm going to sow the seed in. I'm going to sow the seed and leave the results to God. Some of you need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged in what you've done. Some of you need to say, Ian, I've got some, I've got some neighbors and friends and family that I have not shared the gospel with. I just, I just need to pray that God would give me boldness to share the gospel. Just be obedient on the altar before the Lord. And let him work and move in your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the gospel. God's the power to save us. Lord has power to call us. Lord, I pray that as we consider the truths of the soil and the seed, Father God, you would just give us the strength we need to do everything you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.